0: Hi, church. Hello. God, <laughs> cool. wow. It's wonderful to be here with one another another this morning. It's just such a privilege and opportunity to be able to, you know, worship Jesus first and foremost. Hearing stories is incredible. But to do it from a place of acknowledging Jesus is seated on the throne. And he doesn't need any of it. And yet it pleases him when we worship him. He doesn't need our praise. He doesn't need our worship. He doesn't need our stories. He's the Lord's. He's the one that has all authority seated on the throne. And yet it moves God's heart, it moves Jesus' heart to hear our stories. It's this incredible dynamic just at work. If we have such a human God, that sounds weird, doesn't it? We have a God who is so different from us and yet one that so understands us and gets us. So I can say... We've survived. We've survived an hour and 20 minutes in the room with each other. Well done, you know. I was nervous at one point we were gonna lose a kid in there or someone was gonna get the, me and Rich were laughing at one point. I think a kid's gonna need resurrection because they're gonna get a cross on top of them during the morning, but we made it. So, um, so it's fantastic. Look, just while we're finishing praying with each other, because Malcolm will pray for ages while he's there. I know Malcolm's prayers. Why don't you just turn to one another and just say, wasn't that good? Just say hi to be around you. Enjoy, just squeeze out that little bit of goodness. <laughs> Consider the stories that we heard. You know, um, just, we're, just we're grabbing seats and we're getting bits and bobs together. You know, enjoying something, you increase your enjoyment, maybe not everyone, but you, you, in, you increase your enjoyment of something by sharing it with other people. You increase your enjoyment because you reflect a little bit. It's why when, when, when Soph said about you want to share when you got an ouchie on your finger, when you've, when you've done something good, when you've, been in, when you've tasted a nice bit of food or when you've been at an event, you want to share it because as you share it, it's like you just you chew it over in your mouth a little bit more. And so when we have mornings like that and when we hear stories, it's so good to say to one another, oh, it's so good to hear stories. I remember, maybe for some of you, you'll remember your story of how you came to Christ. Maybe you remember the day that you got into water and you were baptized. Maybe you'll remember, maybe you'll just have a little echoes in the stories that you heard of thinking, oh, my life was like that, or maybe my life is still like that now. And so when we consider it in community with one another, again, we reflect on the goodness of what God's about. Because as so said earlier, the thing that I really want us to take home just from a little message, and my name's Ollie, I'm one of the pastors around there. I didn't introduce myself. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to be sharing a few thoughts before we close today. Um, one of the things that I just love about being a follower of Jesus is that Jesus has scars. i just let that land for you just a second, that Jesus is a God with scars. You know, that's, that's an incredible truth. So when Soph started our meeting today by saying that he comes down and he sees our ouches, he has his scars and he doesn't hide them and he doesn't pretend that he doesn't have scars. He understands. He understands what it is to suffer. He understands what it is to have a past. He understands what it is to have life have affected him and to be taken on. There've been profound marks that have been left on his physical body. And Jesus in his resurrection body could have had no scars. He could have been resurrected with completely clean hands, and yet he didn't. Uh, That that might just grab your attention a little bit because you think, oh, that's a bit different from the way that most other gods or people of authority present themselves. Most other people with authority or that would demand worship want to do it in a way where they say, hey, I got nothing. I got, you know, no bad stories here, no negative things for you to find. And Jesus says, look, I suffered. Look at these hands. They bear the marks. And he's resurrected with them. And then the incredible part of it, because I just want us to consider a bit about time today, is the incredible thing about the marks that Jesus bears is that actually he redeems the scars. They're not just marks of his his losses. They're not marks of his death. They're actually, they've been redeemed through the grace of God to say, actually, these are signs of my resurrection that I have overcome the grave that the scars don't, they're not the defining story of my life anymore. And actually, even as you hear things, you know, Nathan's what a powerful story at the end there. And I know it, I bump into people that would say, I'm ashamed of scars on me. I'm ashamed of things that have gone in the past. I'm ashamed of my tattoos, or I'm ashamed of the way that I speak, or I'm ashamed of these little bits and bobs that are there. And yet Jesus says, no, no, I'm a God with scars. I understand it. And i redeem those wounds that were once there. And through my grace, and make them new. And they tell a story of what I've been doing in your life. See, we don't need to be ashamed of those things. We can see God's hand at work in them, okay? So um, I, so I wanna I want consider a little bit here. I wanna consider a little bit I've been thinking about through time. And as we're sitting here, I, yeah, I'm, I, I promise you, I'm not brilliant with, with words. I'm, I'm trying out a couple of Greek words. Oh, we'll see how that works, I don't know. Um, uh, but, and the reality is I'll pronounce them wrong and someone will say to me after, "As you pronounced it wrong. That's fine because, you know, pronunciation's in the in the speaker, I reckon. So, you know, if you're the one saying it, you can pronounce it however you want. Um, <laughs> so, you know, everyone else just got to listen to your pronunciation. So, there's two different types of time. There's chronos time. And chronos just means chronological. There you go. That's a bit clever for you. Chronological just means it travels in a timeline. So there was a beginning of this meeting at 10 o'clock, and there'll be an end of this meeting in about 15 minutes time. And Kronos time just travels us along from 10 o'clock until 11.45. And actually Kronos time is something that we care a bit more about now as humans in the 21st century than I think traditional groupings or communities with one another thought. They often wouldn't be thinking about this chronological movement of time there. They thought of time much more in circles. Much more like, oh, sun's come up, has it? Oh, sun's in the middle of the sky, sun's gone down. Oh, sun's come up, has it? Oh, springtime, oh, it's summer. Oh, autumn, winter, but don't worry, spring's coming again. So we think a lot more like this, linear time, and actually, I think a lot of people think more of time, a bit like that, in circles. But then there's this little wonderful word, and this is the one I probably pronounced wrong, but I don't know. Kiros time. And kairos or kairos, I don't mind. Um, each of those are much more about moments that happen in time. And each of us have kairos moments. Each of us little things. Because what's interesting is that every second is the same length as each other. Every minute is the same length for each other. And we kind of did that because we like mastery. Human beings like to be in control. Is anyone sitting next to you, someone who likes to be in control? I know you don't like being in control, but the person next to you probably does, yeah? It's a few of you. Control freaks, I get it. I used to have a watch, and on my watch it didn't have any numbers on it, and it said at the bottom, who cares, you're already late. That's the sort of, that's that's how I often feel about time. to to some people on team's blessing and some people aren't blessed by that. And I I realise some people, it very much honours them when I am on time. So I try try and keep to it. But a lot of us, and we love mastery, but the mastery of time didn't really take place specifically across the whole of the globe until about 150 years ago. And the reason it was, it's because of trains trains started to leave countries and they'd end up in another country and they'd cross over time boundaries and no one could agree on what time it was so a train would leave berlin and it'll be on its way towards paris and they would have just thought we haven't got a standard time here so we'll just try and we'll try and work out and hope they don't meet on the same track as each other and crash that creates some problems so mastery becomes something that we need to do and again hey, good old Britain, we managed to master time. You know, we got Greenwich Meridian. You know, Paris wasn't particularly happy that Greenwich Meridian got the the zero number and everything else gets set on Greenwich Meridian. But that sort of shows where Britain was 150 years ago. I'm not quite sure who would have decided that number now. Um, Probably not Britain. But at that moment, all of a sudden, there's this thing of mastery that's going on. But what I find so interesting is as human beings, we like this idea of being in control and knowing when a train's gonna arrive. And if something's late, we get frustrated because hang on a minute, my, my, my watch is telling me it should have started now, it should have begun. I'm not saying that's bad, I'm just saying it's a thing that we've got. What none of us are in control of is Kairos moments that happen or Kairos moments. Because actually, even this morning I woke up and I looked out and I thought, I don't know what it's gonna to do today. I wonder if those clouds are gonna move and I'm gonna get a bit of sunshine for the afternoon, which I'd love, sit in the garden, enjoy some sunshine, or if it's gonna rain on me. Now, I'm not quite sure because I'm not really in control of the weather. <laughs> I don't know what's gonna happen. Life seems like it's full of these moments and they're pregnant with possibilities, but I don't know what those possibilities are gonna be. But those keros moments happen all the time. Your death is a Kiosk moment because you don't know when it's gonna happen you don't know the moment in which oxygen is not there anymore i'm not able to keep standing and walking i didn't know the kairós moment of my birth i didn't know when i was going to arrive into this world there's other kairós moments happen as well there might be moments in your own life where you know heartbreak has taken place or tragedy or love or excitement, or joy, because all of these things are kiros, and actually the real mystery of the Christian faith is that we never quite know when God is just going to grab hold of our life. You know, Sam shared it, didn't he? Sam said, I grew up in a Christian family. He was traveling through Kronos time, just thinking, well, I'll start here. I'll probably make it 85. Oh, I'll do all right, 85, maybe 87. I hope I get to that. Let's do it on Kronos time. We'll travel along. I'll go through life. I'll hopefully meet someone. I'll go to uni. You know, maybe I'll settle down. Maybe I'll have some kids. Maybe I'll get a job. And Kronos time's going on. And then all of a sudden, at some point in the last year, God says, Kairos moment, I'm grabbing hold of your life. I'm breaking into your life. I'm going to reveal myself to you. And you heard five stories that today. Heard five moments in which God just breaks into creation. Why? Because He's the Creator. We just respond to what God is doing amongst us. And I don't know, maybe God's doing a kairos moment in you today. Maybe the time is now that God's saying, I want to reveal my love to you. I want to show my goodness. I want to convict you of your sin. I want to draw you to me once again. And there is an absolute joy sometimes of accepting our place in creation and responding to what God's doing rather than always trying to say, but I'm in control. It's a moment that we have to hit to. We have to hit in that moment. We say, oh Lord, okay, Kiros, you're in control. I respond to what you've done. And we're going to read it in a second because we're going to read the story of the resurrection. And again, even though there was a hope, and this is what I find interesting as well. When I look out at the sunshine, when I look out on a cloudy day and I look at the moments of life and everything is pregnant with possibilities, I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder if Crystal Palace is going to beat Leeds this afternoon. You know, I'm pregnant with possibility of what is going to happen. But in each of those little moments, they're driven by two factors. And I don't know if Jürgen's here, but me and Jürgen were chatting the other day. Your life is full of hopes and fears. Every moment is pregnant with the possibility because while we breathe, we hope. While we live, we hope. It's a weird thing as well, isn't it? You think as a Palace fan, eventually you'd give up hope because <laughs> experience tells you otherwise. And yet there's still something in me that because I breathe, I hope. I just think, oh, I wonder, I just wonder. I wonder if we're gonna score today. I wonder if that will happen because I'm pregnant with possibility, but then I'm also full of fears. Because then I worry, oh, but what if? Life's like that as well. What if I'm never going to meet anyone? What if I'm never going to get healed? What if I'm never, ever going to be able to resolve that broken relationship? And our life is driven, pregnant with possibilities of hopes and fears. And actually, the wonderful thing about this story as well is that it captures both. For Peter, on Friday, his life was driven by fears because he said, the one I followed for three years has died, and now everyone wants to find out if I know him or not, and I'm going to say I don't because he was afraid. He was fearful that his friend was going to die, and he didn't know if there was ever going to be hope again. And in that moment, pregnant with possibilities, he was being driven by fears. And then as we read Luke 24 in a second, we're going to see that actually the converse of it is that within three days, some of those fears had disappeared and instead his life was now being driven by hope. (gasps) If Jesus is alive, everything has changed. Peter becomes a new man and our life again is pregnant with these possibilities of our hopes and our fears and that is deeply human in being in that way. If you relate to that, it's because you're a human being and all of us relate to it. We all get that life is driven by hopes and fears. But again, I say, as a follower of Christ, while I live, I hope. I hope that God is going to break in again. Because as Clive said this morning when we were praying, weren't you? Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time. Now is the moment. How do I know if God's not going to do something now? How do I know if God's not going to break into lives now? How do I know if God's not going to call people into, into His kingdom forever now at this moment? I don't know what God's doing, but I'm pregnant with the possibilities of it, and I'm full of hope of what God's going to do. It's incredible good news. So come on, let's, we're going to read together. I know Becky's here, as I saw, and I'm really hoping that Dapo and Monica are here as well. Can, you, can people come and come join me? Come on. Monica's there and Dapo come on my friends I didn't see you earlier Bex come and join me because I just want us to read this story and then we're going to close so this is Luke 24 it's going to appear on the things behind you and you're going to see that this is an incredible story full of hopes and fears full of the humanity of God the God that we worship that has scars in his hands and who redeems our past so one's going to read it you happy? Yeah. everyone happy? we're all good? perfect let's go Oh, have you got a microphone? No, that would have helped, wouldn't it? Well, there there was a microphone somewhere. Sorry. You could have shouted. You were gonna do it anyway, weren't you? Wow, Monica. Come here, let me check it works. Is it on? Yeah, it's on, there you go, it's yours.
1: Resurrection morning. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in, but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Why they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them, a dozen in clothes. So the women were terrified and bound down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the man. He's not here. He has risen. Yeah, wow. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee saying, "It is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day." And they remembered his words. Returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other woman with them were telling the apostles these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them and they did not believe the woman. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he stopped to look in, he saw only the linen cloth. So he went away amazed at what had happened.
0: Yeah, wonderful.
2: Now, the same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was, with, which was about seven miles uh, from Jerusalem. Together, they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came there and began to walk along with them. But they, weren't, but they were prevented from recognizing him. Then he asked them, what is this dispute that you're having with each other as you're walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened there in these days? What things he asked them. So they said to him, the things concerning concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people and how chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But they were hoping, but we were hoping, that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they arrived, and, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported, and they that that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found just as the woman had said, but they didn't see him. Hmm. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in the scriptures they came near the village where he was going and he gave the impression that he was going farther. but they urged him to they urged him stay with us because it's almost evening and now the day is almost over so he went in to stay with them so it, it was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread blessed and broke it and he gave it to them then their eyes were opened and they recognized him but he disappeared from their sight. they said to each other weren't our hearts burning Within us while he was talking to us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us. That very hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those with them gathered together who said the Lord has truly raised who said the Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread.
0: Yeah, wonderful.
3: As they were saying these things, he himself stood in their midst. He said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. Why are you troubled, he asked them, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, it's I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you can see I have. Having said this, he showed them his hands and feet. But while they were still amazed and in disbelief, because of their joy, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate in their presence. He told them, These are my words that I've spoken to you whilst I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He also said to them, This is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in the name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem, You are witnesses of these things. And look, I am sending you what my father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. Then he led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was carried up into heaven. After worshipping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were uh, continually in the temple, praising God.
0: Amen, amen. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. wonder if just rich and the band because we're just going to come in we're just going to play a final song with each other so rich is going to come and join me and you will have seen it i hope from some of the things i shared at the beginning and then i i love reading scripture in its fullness i don't want to find fridge magnets of gods i want to find him in the deep stories of what the bible teaches me and i love the fact that within it there's those moments when it says and then their eyes were opened that's a keros moment they didn't know <laughs> And yet all of a sudden there's this moment their eyes open, they see Jesus differently than they did before. And then like I said, he returns back to them and he says, you can ask me questions, you know. You can inquire, you can actually touch my hands and feet. I'm not a God on a pedestal standing at a distance from you so that you can just observe me behind glass. I'm a God who steps in. I'm a God who gets deeply close to you and says, I'm okay for you to see. You can talk to me, you can know me, you can experience me, you can come close. And the thing that I love, and we sung it earlier, is that he's the one that reaches for us. That is an incredible truth of God's. It's not that God stays at a distance and says, oh, when you reach for me, then I'll respond. We've got a God who is the great initiator. He's the one who reaches towards us. He's the one who took it on himself to humble himself to become one of us, to become human, to understand a life full of hopes and fears, to understand the scars of life that he walks through, but ultimately to paint it and to put it all into the great story of redemption. And I just wonder, as as we play a final song together, I think God's probably already started some keros moments in individuals. He might have already started to move some things around in your life and you're thinking, I can feel like I'm seeing things differently. I'm feeling differently. I'm waiting. I'm expecting. I'm hoping. God invites you to talk to him again today. Invites you as we come into close to spend some time with him. To consider God in a room full of people. So it's with us and God. I don't get a relationship with God through someone else. Actually, he's our great high priest who comes on our behalf. Who gives us access to the Father. To know him. We get to enter as priests ourselves into the presence of God, to know him for ourselves. It's deeply, deeply personal, the Christian walk. And then the joy is that we get brought into the people of God's, waiting for his return. That is the greatest kiosk moment that none of us knows when it's gonna be. It'll be the day that Jesus comes back and says, I'm making all things new. It's the day that he initiates the beginning of the ends the rolling up of the scrolls and the trumpet will sound. And in the same way that he left, he'll return. And every sadness and sickness and death and injustice will be dealt with once and for all because he's done it on the cross. And he's shown that he has all authority and all power. And it's a wonderful moment of kairos that we still don't know. So we wait in a little bit of mystery, even today, saying, thank you, God, that you've come. Thank you, God, that you know us. Thank you, God, that you are going to return. And we wait with eager anticipation for the day when you make all things new. I thank you for every story of salvation today. Thank you for every moment in which you have opened blind eyes to see you living gods. I thank you that you are still in the business of doing it now. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day in which you rule and you reign. Thank you, Jesus, that you're here amongst us. We worship you. Amen. Yeah, thanks. Andy.
3: Should we stand together if you're able?